I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to our friends over at Blue Wire, Indeed, and Bet Online. Week nine is in the books. We are over halfway through the NFL season, the NFL regular season, that is. And uh, who would have thought we'd get here, folks? We've had a little some hiccups across, uh, along the way, but really, there hasn't been much interruption to this season so far. Knock on wood, Daniel. That's right. I, I'm. I'm. I didn't think we'd make it this far. Um, I'm. I'm happy that that we are here. That we're getting our full dosage of football, and things are going mostly okay. We we have a, a few teams here and there that that catch the you know the, the bug, if you will, and we proceed with caution, but. You know, you got some stadiums letting fans in. It sounds like that's probably going to go away shortly in the states that, you know, aren't aren't going to be all about that business. So, yeah, um, full steam ahead. Looking looking forward to some fantasy, fantasy playoffs, some, some good opportunities to maybe get in on some players prior to if you do have a trade deadline, getting that done now rather than waiting for the last second. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We've got a couple of, of new interesting topics tonight. Yep, and we'll start off with a guy who had a win in his first career start against the Los Angeles Rams, and that's Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, actually, I, I learned recently that it's supposed to be Tunga Vailoa. I, I, there's definitely an N in there somehow. Um, so apologies to Tua for all the times I've said his name incorrectly. But he had that uh, blowout win where he only had 93 passing yards against the Rams, and then he kind of had to he had to work his muscle a little bit. He actually had to throw the ball against uh, the Cardinals, even with the Dolphins. I don't know what happened, but the Dolphins were like, okay, we have Tua. Now we're going to just be a top five defense. I'm not sure what happened there, um, but they, they're starting to get lots of turnovers, and that's obviously going to help Tua and his his points. But in terms of his output, uh, 248 passing yards, two touchdowns, uh, one with 35 rushing yards, probably more than many expected to see from Tua in his rookie season coming off the injury. So we'll talk a little bit about the quarterback, the rookie quarterbacks as a landscape, but let's, I want to talk about Tua specifically here. Uh, what's your takeaway here? I, th- I feel like there was some talk of like, oh, like is Tua a bust after week one? That was obviously irrational. But uh, what would you take out of this week, this second performance from him? I mean, he looked good. He made all of the throws we had hoped he could make for the most part. Uh, again, he's still a rookie. He's still just you know, 22 years old, trying to find his way in the league. That's his first career start, and he looked like a, a true NFL starter. A, you know, the 
the explosive playmaker that he is. Um, and, and honestly, he didn't really need to do a lot on the ground, but he did enough where we're going to start seeing that floor kind of being introduced. As a passer, I don't really have any worries. I didn't really have any worries coming out. You know, the whole left-hand thing, people sometimes ride that a little different because guys are used to are not, aren't used to catching footballs from a left-handed person. If he didn't know, the ball spins a different direction. So I, I, I get a little bit of that, but at the same time, it's just the football. It should take no more than, than a few throwing sessions to figure that out. The 250 and two touchdowns, really efficient. I was, I was definitely impressed. Again, still making some of the, some of the basic rookie stuff, taking, taking sacks or pressures, probably when you shouldn't have, or maybe um, not quite knowing how to throw it away yet, things like that. But I definitely see him as, as the long-term starter here. Don't really see that injury hindering him, maybe as, as we thought it might linger throughout this this season one but um yeah he definitely looked good and i think the dolphins in general are just comfortable using that top 10 houston pick and letting their pick become a mid or even mid late first depending on what they plan on actually doing because honestly aside from the bills that division might be up for grabs who knows we'll we'll see if the patriots keep rolling if if cam can get back on his feet but yeah as far as two goes uh, i think I think the, the buy window definitely has slammed shut if there ever was one. If anybody really was worried about the the injury or worried about Fitzpatrick holding on for the entire year, I'm pretty sure we called that preseason that he would be starting essentially by week eight, and he took over week eight, started week nine. So uh, I'm I'm all on board the two. Dan, Dan just sure. to correct you, he started week eight. He... Oh, he did start. I'm sorry. Yes. So <laughs> either way, yes. We all assumed, or I think that was actually my call, was post-bye week, it was his backfield. Um, I think you had him even earlier, which would have been great. It's good to get him that, that little bit of, of clipboard work, though. Yeah, for sure. And I guess before we do the broader conversation, where do you think that you're valuing Tua right now? Is it top five, top six? Is that a little bit too early, too soon? I just think that this, the amount, like, the, when, you, when you're look, looking through the QB board, you're like, I'm not sure I want that guy over Tua. And you you say that all the way up until, you know, Russell, Kyler, Dak, pretty much. I would, yeah, yeah you, you hit it right on the nuts. I would say he's right there with Russ. Uh, if you are competing and trying to win, I think that's Russ. If you are thinking about the future, it's Tua. That's, that's kind of the drop-off right there. I have Kyler and Dak ahead of both, uh, even with the Dak injury. And Kyler still emerging as, as a fantasy star. Uh, I see Tua and Kyler essentially on the exact same wavelength. So uh, I think he's definitely top five to eight-ish. We'll see how this season goes. And and if he can get that rushing floor established, he might be in the top three by by season's end, to be completely honest with you, which is crazy, but also it's not really. And next we'll move on to the Carolina Panthers in one Curtis Samuel. A lot of people expected him to have an emergence or, you know, an increase in production with the uh, Christian McCaffrey injury. And that didn't exactly happen. It took a few weeks for things to develop. But in recent weeks, and even with the return of Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel is looking like the weapon that we thought he was coming out of college. That has kind of taken some time to develop, kind of find his role in the offense and also just, you know, flat out play well enough to maintain this role. Um, in his last three weeks, uh, 26, 26 points, 21, 17, and 11. Um, 
obviously the two big performances in the last two weeks, uh, 105 receiving and a touch, and he's got uh, thir- uh, you know 56 total yards, two touches in the previous week. So um, is this a role that you continue to see uh, Curtis Samuel have? You think it's, you know, is he going to, is he bound to have a inconsistent career where you know he has these stretches and then goes back to being you know a five catch for forty two yard guy? I don't I don't see how Carolina shies away from it. He's so perfect for today's NFL. That that was the reason I loved him coming out of college was that he's not that that gadget player. We see the gadget players. I would consider like a Tariq Cohen a gadget player. Curtis Samuel is an established runner if you wanted to ever use him in the backfield, but he is so good and so explosive as a pass catcher that it's really hard to not want to use him. And Teddy Bridgewater, if he's going to be their quarterback, really likes that underneath stuff, that mid-range stuff. He's started to excel a little more this year in down-the-field passing. Obviously, having Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel helps. But, I mean, this, this is what I thought we would get when we – were originally talking about Curtis Samuel as, you know, as a prospect the last month or so he has been all startable. I mean, he, his week five was like 11 points. Then they had the, then he had the week off with injury, but then he came back. He's now got three straight weeks over 17 points and a touchdown, uh, at least one in all three games since, you know, week seven, eight and nine, at least one touchdown in every single game. So they're definitely getting him more involved. Um, and now McCaffrey being potentially out again for a short stint, I think that only adds to to Samuel's short-term value. Now, I wouldn't really consider him a sell-high candidate, but I don't think you're ever going to probably get more than you might right now with McCaffrey out. So if McCaffrey's yeah, injury... It's, 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 it's McCaffrey out, plus it's the fact that we're in the stretch of this is when you... Buy by now. You're trying to buy guys for the stretch run because of bye weeks, injuries, COVID, and just okay. Let's ma- let's make my wide receiver four a little bit better, and that's what right. you'd be doing by buying Samuel. Exactly, and also Mike Davis being horrendous. So uh, if it takes week ten uh, and and a big Samuel performance with McCaffrey out to to wait and and sell, fine. Uh, but I still think he's extremely undervalued because he's the, uh, I think he's the de facto four in that offense because you've got Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, and then we're talking about Curtis Samuel. Now, long-term, Samuel, DJ Moore, McCaffrey's probably more likely. We'll see what happens with Robbie Anderson, but um, I, I just, I really think he can produce, and he's shown that he can on whatever limited amount of targets and touches he does get. He always seems to just be able to put up points when he's being used. So um, I love Curtis Samuel. If if there's a realm where you can still get him for a second, which I don't think exists, you smash accept on that every second of the day. Uh, if you have to buy him for for a first, you know, a late one I'm, I'm all on board with, or if you get Samuel and something for you know, just a random first, honestly, I, I really don't hate that. I do believe that, that he's... You know, I think he's in this next generation of of just explosive players that are able to do so much more than one position of catching the ball, running the ball, or whatever. And you mentioned Robbie Anderson, uh, like more, more likely not being a part of the offense, and Samuel being that might not be the case because Curtis Samuel is on the last year of his contract, and I think Robbie Anderson signed a multi-year deal. So uh, it is one of those things that 
it, he could benefit from going elsewhere because, you know, the team that signs him is going to say, okay, we have a vision for how to use Curtis Samuel. And obviously, throughout the offseason, we always talk about the, the cautions of, you know, guys switching teams. But this past year, we had Stephon Diggs and the Audrey Hopkins. Granted, those guys are much more talented than Curtis Samuel, but they have had no problems transitioning to a different team over the offseason. Yeah, I think it's become a lot easier with the times, if you will, to become more acclimated with a team, to learn the playbook, to do all of the things. And also, we're seeing now more than ever coaching staffs using guys for their strengths rather than this is my program. If you don't do it, you're out of here. You know, we've seen that time and time again with the Patriots where they bring in really strong talent and the guys just don't get it and they don't they don't succeed. And you get like the super freaks, you know, Randy Moss, but that's a, that's a whole different story. So it's a lot less about scheme now than I think it ever has been as far as a player goes. Obviously, scheme matters from a coaching perspective, but uh, I think even if Samuel does walk, which is probably decently likely, I guess, it, I, I didn't realize Robbie had signed the contract that, that for some reason wasn't embedded into my brain. But if he does walk, I don't think he has any issue finding work quickly. Now let's move on to some guys who might be trying to find some work as well, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterbacks, Jake Luton and Gardner Minshew. Now Minshew has not been playing well, uh, also had an injury, which opened up the door for Jake Luton as they had a bye week to pre- uh, prepare him for his start. Um, now I'm pretty sure, yes, they did lose to the Texans, but he did have that big 70-plus yard touchdown to DJ Chark. Um, other than that, 304 passing yards touchdown plus a rushing touchdown. Now, the fact that Gardner Minshew was a late-round pick means he has zero job security. And he, Jake Luton has, is, I think, going to get an opportunity to compete here. Um, I don't think that Week 9 is his last start. I don't think they're – they don't see a reason to rush back Gardner Minshew. Even if, they, even if they're saying in their head Gardner Minshew is the Jaguars QB1, what, like, why? Like, at least give, give, give the audition to Jake Luton. Neither, neither of these guys are your long-term quarterback. Your long-term quarterback's name is Justin Fields. And just give Luton some, some time to, to play. And then if he is really bad, which he probably is, then then give the last few games to Minshew as an audition to possibly trade him. Yeah, I think, honestly, you can trade both guys in either scenario. And obviously, having a usable backup quarterback is really important in the NFL. But a team like Jacksonville, who's on the rebuild, trying to, trying to figure out a roster and obviously restarting essentially with a new quarterback here, we would assume – uh, in the upcoming draft, we kind of know what Minshew is. I feel like he's kind of your best backup quarterback, low end starting quarterback type. And honestly, Luton's yeah, I mean, probably he, not far he, from he, that. He could, he could have a Fitz career. He could have a Fitzpatrick career. For sure. I, I, I mean, Minshew's like that's exactly what he is. And and Luton is a senior. I, I think he was a fourth year senior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Oregon State. Um. I mean, he was. He was. I wouldn't say he was great. He was fine. He was good. Um and obviously has work now. So uh, I think the next couple of weeks will be as good of an audition as you can get. He's got decent weapons in, in DJ Chark and Keelan Cole. Backfield, you know, James Robinson's kind of emerged as a, as a decent piece. And, you know, Jacksonville's kind of got a little bit something going on offense. It's not always the smoothest, but I, I feel like Luton really, I mean, he looked like, like you kind of would expect a backup quarterback to look or what you would hope a backup quarterback to look like. I don't see a big, a big gap between he and Minshew, honestly. So whoever, this might be a hot hand type thing where whoever's performing better sticks. 
And then once they figure out, hey, like, oh, you're, you're, you're a little too hot. Let's put the other one in. Let's yeah. pull it down. We need to lose a little bit more. <laughs> All right. Um, now we have uh, some questions from the audience. A lot of them from our good friend Hassan Rahim. But before we get into that, let's hear from our sponsors. That's right. We are here brought to you by Indeed. And even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving. And that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. And there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Terms and conditions apply, author valid through December 31st. All righty, let's get into some questions. Our first one is from our friend David Somerville. Uh, you got a couple for us. First is, is Mike Gusecki going to make it? If so, will it be this season? Now, Mike Gusecki has two games where he's been targeted more than five times. Not exactly what I was expecting from a team that needs to pass a lot and doesn't have a plethora of weapons. Preston Williams still doesn't look great off the injury. Devontae Parker isn't as good as last year, but still has been playing pretty well. So is this just a case of tight ends are frustrating to start, they're frustrating to own in fantasy, or is this a lack of a break after Mike Kosecki? Well, let's start out with tight ends are the worst. They should be banned uh, forever from fantasy football use as a permanent starting position. Um, I think it's going to get better with Tua under, uh, you know, under center. We saw a little sign of life this week with, you know, only four targets, but made use of them, three catches, 42 yards. We really like that week two performance (laughs) where he went eight for 130 and a touchdown. I don't think we're really seeing a ton of that type usage. I do believe he can draw the five to seven targets pretty regularly. Whether or not they're going to continue to do it is kind of on Miami at this point. They seem to, like a lot of teams now, scheme in certain players for certain games, depending on what's going on. They find that weakness and they use them. So we all know Gusecki's that athletic freak. We know he's, you know, just a really big wide receiver, essentially. He's not going to be out there um, lead blocking on a power rush or anything like that. Um, he's he's an extra wide receiver. So uh, I, I still have quite a bit of faith in him being a relevant fantasy tight end. It's just, it's still kind of frustrating. And people really get antsy, especially at the tight end position, if they're not performing right away and and we have all of the historical data, I don't know how many times we have to say this. We know tight ends don't produce right away. The ones that do are anomalies and they're this either, is, they're this, either is, this, is year, this is year three though. So I mean, but you're that's, that's when you expect it right is, yeah. is at or after year three. So 
we've seen the signs of life. Whereas the first couple of years, it was like, Hey, that guy's fast or that guy's strong. But we didn't really see like, Hey, that guy's the guy. Yeah. I mean, and in year one with Gusecki, it was, that's an athlete playing football. And right. year two is like, Oh, that's a football player. And then year three, it's like, Oh, okay. That's, that's like a tight end. <laughs> right. So we're, we're getting there. He's, he, he is what he is, but he's only going to be as good as his volume. So that's that's the struggle right now is finding the volume. I think we can all agree he's a really nice pass catcher and has tons and tons of upside. And it's going to get to the point now where if he's not being used like he was in, say, week two or week five, he might become pretty damn cheap because, in the, for the most part, tight end's almost free across the board unless you're playing in tight end premium or you're talking about, like, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, one of the big boys. I, I personally still have faith. I'm not giving up. I'm not selling for, for garbage. Um, in fact, I'll probably add to my to my shares. Uh, I just what, – what are we comfortable paying for Mike Kosecki at this point? Uh, I'd pay mid-second. Mid, yeah. I'm probably in that same range. I would say you could probably even get him for a late one um, or even a third plus or, you know, an old tight end and a third to, to make the move and get younger. In a 16-team in a tight end premium, I, I tried to trade Robbie Anderson for him midseason, and that didn't work. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it would. Trade. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. All right. Uh, next one, also from David. We have, will Justin Fields be the consensus 102 in Superflex or will be a mixed bag after Lawrence? Um, so my, my take on this is that none of the wide receivers have either been playing or been playing enough to really be, warrant being in this consideration. And you have the running backs of Travis Etienne and Najee, Najee Harris and Chuba Hubbard to an extent. Uh, I think that you have to have Etienne or Harris go like top 12 in the NFL draft, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, one of those guys has to go super early to be considered along with uh, Fields at that 102 slot. I think for the most part, it's going to be Lawrence Fields right off the bat, unless there is some high capital with one of the running backs. I'm not going to lie. If Lawrence, if Lawrence, when Lawrence goes one, but if he goes to the Jets, signs and plays, I might take Fields 101, to be completely honest with you. He's instantly going into a better situation with weapons. I mean, the Jets are just a cluster. They always have been. They probably always will be. We still don't know what the, how they feel really about Sam Darnold. I think we probably have an idea of where that's trending. Um, but with Gase, you know, you have Gase behind the wheel. We really don't know what the hell's going on there. So I would say for me Gase, personally. Gase is, wait, hold on. Gase will not be behind any wheel that has your remorse. Hey, you don't know that. The Jets are an actual train wreck. They may hang on and be like, hey, you know what? Let's give him, let's give him time to build his roster the way he wants it. You you can never say never with with that organization. So for me, I would say, assuming we know what we know, you would absolutely lock in Fields at 102. Me personally, I would consider him at 101 if I can't trade back a spot or three. Next, let's go to James Robinson. He's a guy we brought up periodically. Obviously, he's having a very good rookie season, but he does have the low draft capital and a team that probably will invest in the running back position in the 2021 offseason. Now, would you trade him for any first right now, or would you want? Would it have to be a non-playoff first? What What are your thoughts on Robinson in terms of rookie pick value? Uh, any first right now? I would say yes, unless I'm contending, and then I'd probably ask for probably significantly more he for me is a one-year asset there's a there's a chance he sticks there's a chance he's 
a lead back again. Um, but when you're considering a first-round rookie and the amount of value that can gain, especially as this class gets deeper before it falls off and people realize what's what, you, you have to, you know, obviously timing is everything, stock market, blah, blah, blah. I would absolutely accept a, a first for James Robinson if I was out of contention easily. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's one of those things that it, it might not look good in six, seven weeks, but it's probably going to look good in April. Now let's go on to Lamar Jackson versus the rookies. This is also from Hassan. Uh, so with this one, it's weird because Lamar is becoming a, somewhat of a, a descending asset. Like he was ascending, 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 and now he's just played so meh, and he hasn't been able to use his weapons of Marquise Brown, and now he has Des Bryant <laughs> to play with a little bit. But the thing is that I think that all of the rookies have the chance to be at or above Lamar at season's end, but I'm still taking Lamar over all the rookies at this current point. Absolutely. I mean, he's been... I- Dare I say bad this year? I mean, meh is probably being courteous. He's still an he's still a QB one. Like I, I get the lofty expectations. He was going QB two, potentially one oh two in a lot of super flex startups or uh, or redraft leagues, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's so much upside. If this value is sliding, you've got to be buying it. It's it's easy money, honestly. He's had a couple of tough weeks. Uh, they kind of lose their identity. Baltimore's a weird team. They they can be unbeatable or they can just look pedestrian. And I don't really think that's on Lamar Jackson's shoulders. Uh, I think the play calling has been iffy at best. Um, the fact that they're still not really using J.K. Dobbins is beyond me. I, I don't get that one bit. I get that they love Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram's corpse is still trying to be out there playing football, but you, you get so much more explosive when you have J.K. Dobbins in the backfield. You have you have Marquise Brown. You have Mark Andrews. You even have Devin DuVernay. Bring in freaking Des Bryant just as a, a just to distract somebody. Take a linebacker off of someone or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. It, it just the play calling seems like it took a massive step backwards this year. The team doesn't look as they, they definitely don't look like they did last year. The team last year looked like it was a world beater. Now let's go on to some rookie running backs. Uh, how are we ranking the running backs in this class? Is Swift the RB1? Concerns about Dobbins considering he's losing work to Gus Edwards, like you just mentioned. Um, so this is tough because I am, I'm a big t- Jonathan Taylor guy. He has not played well. I'm a big DeAndre Swift guy who has played well in limited action. I, I think that it's hard to talk about this from a, like a trade value perspective because I think that it's so all over the place. Like there are people that still have CEH as a first round startup pick. There are people that still have Jonathan Taylor as a first round startup pick. I, I think that if we're talking straight up talent today, not like kind of ignoring the trade value, I think I would go Swift, Taylor, CEH, and then Dobbins. I mean, it feels like we're talking about four of the same player at this point. Essentially, everyone has been disappointed. Oh, and, and Cam Akers is dead. He, he, yeah. he was he, – honestly, told, I told you guys, it was the same thing with the Sean Vaughn bit. It was going to be a project. Well, Vaughn's just not good. Akers has potential. He just – we'll see if he gets there. Um, 
for me, it always was and always probably will be Jonathan Taylor as, as the RB1 in this class. Still is. Um, that offense, we don't know. They, they just aren't healthy. For me, the, the big difference that everyone else seems to have is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I don't have him even in the top three. Um, he's a very mediocre running back in the best offense in the league. So, yes, that's great to be there. That's the thing, though, is that his numbers right now suggest a guy who's going to break out because he has such a low TD percentage that he's still producing with no t- with two TDs. That, you know, usually the touchdown production catches up and the guy ends up being a top five running back. Like, I, I fight it and I fight it because I don't think he's good at football. But he's good, he's stuck in that offense and he's going to get the, the touches. Like, they're not going to invest at running back anytime soon. No, I, I'm not arguing that one bit. You're chasing the volume. You're not chasing. You're not chasing the talent because I don't think he's the. I don't think he's. To be completely honest, I don't think he's a top five talent in this in this class. The thing with Clyde Edwards-Helaire is his landing spot and the offense he's in. Yeah, he's like RB nine or ten, but he's had one count them one twenty point game this year. I mean, right. yeah. I mean, you. I mean, you kind of need TDs for twenty-point games. Hey, uh, I again, I get it, but you're chasing the volume. You can't. You can't chase volume that high on a mediocre player. So to go back to it, uh, we were ranking the running backs. You have Swift one, or yeah, I. I think I do at this point. Okay, and, and honestly, I think he's. I think he's probably two. Even though I still, there's something deep down inside of me that doesn't want a Detroit running back. Um, so for me, it's Taylor, then probably Swift, then I'd, I'd go Dobbins, and then Ceh. I could make a case for Antonio Gibson, but because the Washington football team name is so awful, I don't think I can do that quite yet. So I, I think it's Jonathan Taylor. As at the top and and then kind of a tier. Yeah, and I will say that Taylor, and this was the case pre-draft, this was the case now, Taylor has the highest ceiling by a long shot of the group, um, but his floor has been scary so far uh, with a lack of receiving profile, and he kind of needs – you know, that goal line work in order to be successful, and they're giving a lot of that to Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins or whatever. Um now let's move on. And I only included this question because I, I have a point to get across, um, and I don't think I'm the first person to bring this up recently. Um, the internet and baseball Twitter uh, needs to uh, cool it with the word stand. Um, uh, Hassan uh, questioned, people who stand Michael Gallup as the alpha in the Cowboys offense, what is wrong with them? So I'm going to I'm gonna go on my, my stand spiel first. Um, <laughs> for, for those that don't know, uh, Stan means uh, it originates from an Eminem song where a fan was so obsessed with Eminem, and I, th- I think this is a character that Eminem wrote, but a fan so obsessed with Eminem that he killed his family and then killed himself. So unless there is someone that makes you so passionate that you would kill your family and then kill yourself, stop using Stan. <laughs> well, I mean, unless you escape like a mental hospital or something, then then you can, I mean, don't tell those people you can't do that. <laughs> but anyways, Michael Gallup, um, I had people telling me Michael Gallup was better than Amari Cooper. Um, those people are uh, not the smartest. Um, and I had people telling me that Michael Gallup was on par with C.D. Lamb. Also not the smartest. I have been on the, uh, of the opinion that Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb are much more talented than Michael Gallup. 
while Michael Gallup will hurt their value somewhat, I don't think that he is like a third of the pie like some people might have been trying to portray. So what are your thoughts on, on Gallup? You've said that there was a chance that Ga- the Gallup lamb was the future and they would cut Amari. Are you still of that opinion? Or do you think that, you know, it's, he's showing he's more of a third, a third fiddle here? Well, I think there's definitely a chance. I think, I think Jerry's probably starting to realize that Dak was the heart and soul of that offense as much as he wanted Ezekiel Elliott to be. Um, I do believe that there's a decent chance they try to move Amari Cooper and and try to stick with Gallup CD, but you know you probably don't pay him that much if you don't think he's the future. Um, they may just roll with the three and and frustrate the hell out of Gallup because he's probably not going to get the usage. CD's more than likely going to be the alpha. It, it's it's a weird kind of trio because I feel like CD and Amari really excel in the same way. And Gallup is mostly useful on the outside, so he shouldn't really have a ton of a ton of issue getting those looks. The problem is finding a quarterback that's going to get down the field uh, if Dak were to move on. Now, if they have a top two, three, four pick, that may not be as much of an issue if they were to somehow land Trey Lance uh, or or one of the other quarterbacks coming out, or if for some reason the whole Trevor Lawrence thing backfires on the Jets and they're forced to trade him, just like uh, like the Giants and and Chargers back in the day. So it's I, I would be buying Gallup now. I feel like he's going to probably be going for essentially pennies, uh, considering what he was going for pre CD, uh, the way he broke out last year and how good he even has still looked while not being used. He's it's still obvious when he's on the field and, and he would be a, a problem and a difference maker for any team that could use wide receiver help. But God forbid the Dallas Cowboys do anything. Well, the Cowboys might do it, might not do anything, but football is back in full swing. You might not be at the game this year. You can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game threads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day or a day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, B L U E W I R E, at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All righty, Dan, that should wrap us up for this evening. Any parting words for the people? We love you. Thanks for being here. Make sure you go to Rotoviz and get yourself 10% off of your subscriptions. Again, head to Rotoviz, sign up. 2020 RV Radio. That's right, 2020 RV Radio is your promo code. Get yourself your little bit of discount. And uh, get in on the fun. Be here with us. Support us. Uh, we love you. We will we'll no doubt see you next week. And Nathan and I might uh, might have a little something in the works for give or take about a month from now. I don't know what that is, but go ahead. Kadoosh! <laughs>